This is the MG Car Club Podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this week's podcast, Adam and I uncover the worrying story of a new scrappage scheme. Plus, we look at how the MG Car Club has been transformed by video conferencing in recent weeks. Plus, we get the latest on MG Motorsport when I interview MG Car Club Competition Secretary Mark Bouch. The MG Car Club Podcast. Welcome along, one and all, to another MG Car Club podcast. Wayne Scott with you. Hope you're well. And Adam is there in his lovely utility room once again. Hiya, Adam. Hi, Wayne. I'm uh, yeah back in the utility with uh, Mr. Zanisi and Mr. Becco, as always. They're, uh, they're very excited to be here again for another podcast. And to bring you along with us on the journey of weather that we're currently experiencing here in the UK, uh, a couple of podcasts ago you were complaining how hot it was in there because the sun was beating down on you. <laughs> relentlessly <laughs> and now it's like winter again round here isn't it i don't know what happened to the summer have we had it was that it i think that was it mate i'm i'm sat right. here in uh, in jeans and a and a hoodie um yeah it's uh, it's miserable it's really miserable it's ridiculous because they know that they're easing lockdown that's what it is <laughs> yeah. it's just having a bit of a watering of the garden that's all keep the lawns green and we'll soon be back to summer weather we can soon get our uh, hoods down on our mgs and get back out on the road and uh lots of stuff in the news at the moment and one concerning story i thought we'd start with the bad news first and just get better from here on in <laughs> but one concerning story for us here in the historic vehicle world is that we all know that the global automotive industry is having a tough time especially in this time after lockdown and trying to rejuvenate sales in an economy where everyone is very uncertain about what their futures are like and how much money everyone's going to have whether they've got a job or not as you can imagine, not only has production stopped for that period of time during lockdown, but they've only just opened the showrooms. The 1st of June here in the UK, car dealerships were able to open once again. So the government have already recognised that the automotive industry is going to be struggling. It's going to be hard work for them. And there has been talk of rescue plans and aid packages, if I can put it that way, for the automotive industry here in the UK. And one of the bad bits of news about all of this, and of course we do want the automotive industry to do well, but the, one of the bad bits of news is talk of another scrappage scheme. And it's worse than that because those of you that remember the last scrappage scheme way back in 2008, following the banking crash then, they were offering in the region of about £2,500 for an old car in return for a new one. There is talk and the rumours are that the money on offer for this scrappage scheme will be as much as £7,000. And this is also tied into the government's commitment to try and get as many new electric cars on the road as possible this adam is bad news for mgs i think yeah i think so i mean we we ran our save the zeds campaign uh we started it uh two years ago and it's it's ongoing something like this could sweep a lot of zeds f's tf's off the road um which would be a tremendous tragedy you know you look back to those photos from the original scrappage scheme and you see those airfields full of mgbs mg midgets minis triumphs um you know there was that bmw dealer that um took in a triumph mayflower um you know one of the rarest classic cars in the uk and it was going to be scrapped 
Um, all because someone could manage to get £2,000 off a new 1 Series or off a new BMW Mini. It's, um, yeah, it's very worrying. I I wholeheartedly understand where the government's coming from and, and the fact that we need to support all those jobs that are banned up in the automotive industry and the huge um, contribution that the, the motoring industry makes to the UK economy. But it can't be at the cost of, of losing all those sorts of cars again it just can't there's there's got to be there's got to be some sort of halfway house where we can support the industry generate some income for those guys get people back into showrooms hopefully into mg showrooms without you know without having to lose good cars off the other end of the scale it's seven thousand pounds as you say i mean it's not only about zeds and mgfs this is putting midgets mgbs yeah frankly it's putting anything actually into that bracket because you know, if someone if someone has a, a deceased relative and they drag out, say, an MGA in a really bad condition or a TF in a really bad state, eesh, you know, someone offers them seven grand against a new car and you don't really know what it's worth, you're going to take it, aren't you? That's the biggest worry. Good yeah. cars are going to be lost. Um, so I actually uh, spoke to the legislation committee of the FBHVC. That's the Federation of British Historic Vehicle Clubs. We've spoken about them a lot here on the MG Car Club podcast. They are the guys that fight for our freedoms here in the UK. They are, they are of course, a member of FEVA, which is the international body for the protection of historic vehicles. And um, their statement goes along the lines of saying that whilst they don't wish to comment on the exact details of any actual scrappage scheme because actually this is still kind of rumour and hearsay in the press and I know it has been talked about at government level but there's actually no sight of any official documents or any official plans or policies on this yet so they're not able to comment on the details but they're aware that a previous scrappage scheme the one that we alluded to back in 2008 with the last banking crash did result in a not insignificant number of vehicles which ought to have properly have been considered for preservation being scrapped and lost forever. So it's my understanding that the FBHVC are going to therefore request that any future scrappage scheme should ensure that no vehicle, which is a historic vehicle as defined by fever, will be eligible for exchange. They also went on to say that it, they felt that such a restriction on eligibility would involve an unacceptable limitation on the rights of vehicle owners any such scheme should require all businesses accepting a historic vehicle pursuant to a scrappage scheme to take active steps before a historic vehicle is consigned for destruction to ensure that an economically viable alternative of disposal for the preservation of the historic vehicle is not available. So basically making sure that this isn't a really important car that could be restored before they accept it and kill it forever. I'm not sure how they're going to put that safeguard in place, uh, but let's just hope that we can do something to make sure that, you know, we don't lose some really important cars out of sheds and barns up and down the UK to this worrying scrappage scheme. The worry is that, you know, you'll get dealers um, perhaps with less of a connection to, to, to classic marks, you know, heritage marks that will look at it and think, well, it's, it's an excuse for me to be able to sell another x or y and get another another car on the road another registration you know another bonus um another bit of commission um you can see cars getting slipping through loopholes um and not only that if the focus is going to be on electric vehicles we still know that as good as electric cars are 
Um, and there's no doubt that they are almost certainly the future in which we're all headed. There's a, still an awful lot of infrastructural work that needs doing here in the UK if we're all going to start driving electric vehicles. And if there's a big push, you know, if you suddenly make an electric car, you get seven grand for your for your 10-year-old um MGZR, shall we say, and then you top, you know, you get on top other other grants that are available for electric vehicles. Suddenly, electric cars become a lot cheaper than than they ever have been before. And are we suddenly going to see a glut of people that have bought these electric cars and aren't able to get the use out of them properly because the charging points aren't there? Mm. It's uh, it's a crazy crazy situation safety fast magazine has of course been continuing as normal has been even better than normal hasn't it adam yeah it has i mean andy and colin have done a brilliant job working from home um they were lucky that they were able to sort of pick up their office and and take it home really but the magazine has has continued to be a, a real credit to the club so despite the situation and the magazine's got a little bit more content in it these last couple of months which has been great we'd have been able to run some bigger features but it's a testament to andy and colin and all the volunteers across the club that contribute to the magazine every month that has continued to see it be such a an engaging and entertaining read for everyone absolutely and of course we've been publishing all sorts of new content and new stories onto the mg car club website as well if you haven't if you aren't following us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Loads of ways you can keep in touch with the MG Car Club. And on a more sort of regional and registers level, Adam, we, like so many other businesses, like so many other communities and groups across the world, have been using a platform we'd never heard of before March, <laughs> but now is a household name. Yeah. It is, of course, Zoom. And uh, you've been on a few of these within the MG Car Club, haven't you? Yeah, they've been really good. So we've been having uh, management meetings with myself, uh, Bill Silcock, the chairman, uh, Keith Williams, our vice chairman, and Richard Colston, our treasurer, Lauren, our assistant general manager. Um, so we've been having those. Um, but I've also been able to join um, some of the overseas clubs. So the MG Car Club Victoria were kind enough to invite me to their last two uh, Zoom meetings. So their sort of monthly meeting that they would normally have, they've been doing over Zoom. And it it was brilliant i the the one they had last last month was a was a sort of normal monthly meeting um and it was really good they they managed to introduce new members those new members got to show their cars um and then we had a, a film show which was brilliant because of the screen sharing aspect that you can do um and the the mg car club victoria guys do a brilliant job because they have a couple of guys who host the meeting so it's all really well managed but we watched um we watched a film all about the life of, of sir sterling moss um and celebrated his his achievements um and it was really well put together it was lovely to see everyone i mean i don't know any of these guys uh beyond alan fabry who's the the president of of the victoria club um but they're warm they're welcoming and it's re it was really nice and I, I joined another one today and they had their agm and again brilliantly conducted everyone was able to vote um on on sort of club matters um yeah it's really really good really really good this is exciting, I think, because this is a way that the pandemic has actually brought in a new opportunity to the MG Car Club. Imagine now, when things do get back to normal and we're able to have our monthly meetings in the centres, imagine now you don't have to wait a whole month for the next meeting. You can all jump on Zoom, like maybe even like once a week. Exactly. Um, it just... it 
we talk about the the sort of geography issues i mean we've got directors on the board who are based in scotland um you know and it's it's a long old slog to drive all the way from scotland down to abingdon hi lorraine but yeah, hi Lorraine. Um, but um, but yeah, if you if you can hop on a, on a video conference and and you know work through something and and do those meetings, then brilliant. You know you don't need to wait a month. You don't need to drag everyone together, and you can save the environment because you're using less fuel. Um, you know it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant tool. It's um yeah it's really impressive. I'm really excited about it because we have to look at the positives and we've all learnt new skills during this pandemic, especially during lockdown when we're all trapped in our houses. And so many people have made that leap onto using online tools like Zoom, into using social media more that maybe people were a bit more reluctant to do before this. And if we can keep that going when things do get back to normal, but add it as an addition to the events and the monthly meetings that we already do within the MG Car Club, I think it's really exciting for the future, actually. Yeah, I do. And and me being a Star Trek geek, hopefully it moves us one step closer towards that Star Trek future that uh, that I hope we one day end up living in. So, um, yeah, if I can't be beamed up in my MGB, at least I can appear on your view screen. (laughs) Well, I'd always rather drive somewhere in an MG than get beamed anywhere, I have to say. So I'm not too bothered about that. You can can get there and uh, get the tea on or something like that. uh, but, But imagine that, though. Imagine if you could get beamed. Like, I'm in my MGB... And there's there's an event in California. You drive into like a transport and boom, suddenly you're on the highway in, in, in Southern California with a load of other MG guys. That'd be amazing. I'm glad to hear there's a well-stocked fridge of cider in the <laughs> Adam Sloman household this week for the podcast. And uh, we can hear the effects of that already. It's good to see that uh, you're free-flowing with great ideas, Adam. It's marvellous. It's great stuff. <laughs> Another story that caught my eye, actually, which is another really positive story, was the Heritage Skills Academy. Now, if you don't know much about these guys, it is actually something to do with the FBHVC. They are uh, part of the Federation Activities, but they run at Bista Heritage. The Heritage Skills Academy basically run apprenticeships for young people looking to get a qualification in historic vehicle preservation. And these are recognised industry qualifications in historic vehicle engineering and everything you need to know to go into business working on historic vehicles in whatever aspect of that work you want to specialise in. Obviously, like all apprenticeship schemes, they've been really hard hit by the lockdown. And three weeks ago, 70% of the Heritage Skills Academy's employers were closed which meant that 80% of the apprentices had been furloughed. But again, using that Zoom system that we've just described being so valuable to the MG Car Club, they've managed to keep those apprentices learning and keep their qualifications and their courses on track to make sure that we've got a good supply of new engineers coming into the historic vehicle world. And I thought that was a really heartwarming, positive story of really an organisation against all odds making sure that the historic vehicle community has a strong future those guys are vital and the thing is like you say it is a really positive news story we've had so much bad news um this year with with the virus and everything um you know to see that was like you say was really heartwarming because those skills are 
are vital to the make sure that our movement continues for generations to come you know we we're not owners of these cars we are custodians and it's our job to pass them on to the next to the next people to have as much fun with them and we need those skills to make sure that people can carry on so no brilliant news they've been running the new program remotely via zoom over five days for nine weeks and throughout those nine weeks that had a hundred percent attendance just shows the enthusiasm these young people have for learning about a future career working on historic vehicles amazing yeah that's phenomenal i mean if the younger generation get a lot of stick from 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 some people um for you know lack of commitment and things like that but that's that's a testament that's that's really impressive fair play to them well done even more impressive was that they despite all of this going on they had 11 new apprentices joined during march and april and they also launched two brand new courses as well an old school coach building apprenticeship and evening classes on welding and other bits of the coach building side um for the likes of you and i want to go and learn as well so i really really yeah really fantastic stuff happening at bista heritage all part of the heritage skills academy of course part of the fbhvc activities down there so great stuff well adam we've got new merchandise to tell everyone about in just a moment after we get the latest on mg motorsport as our interview with mark bouch competition secretary for the mg car club is next the mg car club podcast The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centers and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. Well, now on the MG Car Club podcast, I'm joined by Mark Bouch, who is the competition secretary for us here at the MG Car Club. Hi, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. And it's all getting very exciting now because there is light at the end of the tunnel. We are nearly, nearly back out on track with our MGs and uh, we'll have an update on where things are up to at the moment and what the plans are going forward in just a moment. But... I wanted to start, Mark, by just asking about you, really, and your motorsport history. Where did it all begin for you? It all began for me when a friend of mine, when I lived in Kent, said to me one day, let's go to Brands Hatch. I understand there's some racing going on there. And uh, dragged me along to Brands Hatch, where the Thunder cars were racing, which some people will remember fondly from the uh, early 70s, mid-70s. Uh, they were three-litre monsters, um, mainly driven by Ford and General Motors at the time. And they made the most amazing sound as they went around Brown's Hatch. And that sparked the passion that led you into a career with motorsport, really, as well, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did. I mean, I think um, petrol was in the blood anyway. And my grandfather used to race motorbikes at Brown's Hatch as well um, and always had loads and loads of different cars. So I think it was there anyway, latent, and that just sort of sparked it. And from then on, I was into all kinds of motorsports, both uh, racetrack, rallying, uh, karting, you name it. I've been involved with it over the years. Mm, Fantastic. Well, let's talk about the MG Car Club. You uh, recently came into the role of competition secretary, and that basically entails what? How does your job pan out? I think probably the simplest way to explain it to people is that we arrange the whole of the race meeting. So... Uh, we have a calendar at the beginning of the year where we agree with the racetracks where we're going to go and race. 
but then it's a blank piece of paper and everything has to be arranged from there. So including arranging all of the timetable, making sure we have everything in place for the race to run, so all of the safety people and safety equipment that we need, um, and then up to taking the entry forms from all of the drivers, competitors, and making sure everybody can come and race safely and have a great day. Tell us about some of those races then. There is such a wide variety of cars, and Adam and I have touched on this a lot, within the MG Car Club, just because of the variety that the MG brand has been involved with. How is that reflected in the racing? Talk us through the races that make up a normal season. So we have six championships that are MG Car Club championships. All of six of those will be racing at Donington Park in three weeks' time, so we're really pleased that they're all coming to join us. And you've everything from um, BCV8, so most people will be familiar with the MGB because that's a fairly iconic car um, that everybody relates to. Um, but we also have, going right back to the 1930s cars, um, when Morris Garages first started and produced what are now fondly known as the Triple M cars, the, the original midgets, which are the most amazing pre-war cars to see racing around the circuit right up to the modern still-in-production MG3, which races, races with our trophy championship uh, and also a couple of our other championships. No matter what your passion for MG might be, there's a race series for you. So once you've joined the MG Car Club and you want to get into motorsport, what would be your advice in a new member who doesn't yet have a race license and has very little experience, perhaps, of motorsport? What's your advice to them in getting into it? Where should they begin? Well, ordinarily, the first thing I would say is come to a race meeting. That's a little difficult at the moment in our current times because I think Donington Park is going to remain a closed race meeting, uh, although we are still watching carefully what government guidelines are going forward, so you may be able to come to Donington Park. But we would hope to see people later on in the season. And the beauty of coming to a race meeting is we have a, an open paddock. You can just wander around, talk to competitors, talk to competitors' families, Come to the MG Welcome Centre where you can have a cup of coffee, a cup of tea and a biscuit and that's all provided for our members, all free of charge. And really get a feel for what goes on at a race meeting and what's involved. And of course there's MGs on track that run by the club as well and uh, that's a full programme of track days throughout the year. That's a nice way to just dabble your toe in motorsport, isn't it, and go and experience a race circuit for the first time. It certainly is, and I think a lot of people may think that driving on a race circuit is just a case of taking your car out onto a wide piece of tarmac and driving it quickly. There is, of course, much more to it than that, and those days where you can go down and, and experience a track day are well worth doing. And again, there'll be people there who can talk you through some of the techniques and some of the things that you need to understand to get the best out of a day like that. And I guess one of the things that might perhaps intimidate some is the fact that it would appear, looking at some of the grids, that the cars take a lot to prepare and there's a lot that goes into them. And on one aspect, that's true. But on the other side, there are cars that literally come off the road and with a small amount of preparation to get them in line with the regulations can go racing pretty much untouched from the road, can't they? Yes, yeah, so I would say there are two starter series, if you like, are the MG Trophy series, which is the um, MG ZRs, and the MG Metros, which is actually the longest-running single-make championship in motorsport. It's been running for over 30 years. And the Metros now, you can pick up a, a road car very, very cheaply, convert it very cheaply. 
and go racing for around about £5,000. You can pick up a car, convert it and go racing for the year. On the one hand, it's a, it's a great sort of uh, grassroots hobbyist motorsport series. But on the other, actually, talent has been found within the MG Car Club series, hasn't it? And there's some stars come out of uh, the race series in the previous years. That certainly has. MG Trophy's always been one for encouraging younger drivers in to cut their teeth as it were uh, come racing with us and a number of them have gone on to the likes of british touring car championship and uh, into other things like clios and all kinds of single car single seater racing all kinds of things well we live in weird times as you mentioned one of the things that we're facing in motorsport is the fact that for the foreseeable future at least it looks like the fixtures are going to have to run as formula one is doing without a set of spectators to cheer us all on um so talk us through just how difficult this has been for the race series with covid19 um let's start way back in the end of march when motorsport uk announced that they were stopping all permits until july how did you and the guys in the teams deal with that and 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 what's been the conversations you've had since it's interesting that we describe the mg racing fraternity as a family and I think when we went into lockdown at the end of March, all families felt the pain of that, not being able to go and see their very nearest and closest relations. And the MG Racing Fraternity has been a little like that as well. We've all felt the loss of not being able to go to a racetrack and uh, all meet up with each other and go racing. So it's been a very similar experience. It's, it's been like that where you can't go and see your family. And really interesting to see across social media over the last few weeks how a number of the drivers have been saying, just can't wait to get back out there and, and, and see everybody. It's been difficult for the governing body, Motorsport UK. They've been, as we've seen, uh, you'll have seen it in the news that we've covered on the MG Car Club website over the past few weeks. They've been to and fro in with the uh, Department for Culture, Media and Sport that looks after all of these things at a government level. But there is a clear set of guidelines there's some clarity coming out of it now talk us through what you're going to have to put in place in order for motorsport to resume in july so there is a very clear set of guidelines from the governing body motorsport uk as you have mentioned there are a number of things in there in terms of restricting the number of people that we have in a paddock um, changing some of the procedures that we have so a simple example would be normally a driver would arrive at the circuit, take his car off the trailer and then come and sign some paperwork and receive his, the information that he needed to go racing that day. All of that will be done in advance electronically now. So that sort of system has changed. The car would then normally go to a building where it would be checked over by safety inspectors called scrutineers. That will not happen now either. All of the competitors will be responsible for the safety of their own cars and we'll do what's known as a pre-declaration before the event to say, my car is safe, it has the right seat belts in it, it has the right seat in it, I have the correct crash helmet to wear. All of these things will be pre-declared. So very different to what we've been used to in the past. And competitors are having to get used to that change as well. So that's on, on a very basic level. And then, of course, we need to look at how we implement social distancing, making sure we limit the number of people who are in the paddock, 
ensuring that people don't need to go into buildings unless they absolutely have to so that we can keep people as safe as we possibly can. And I guess the problem for you that you're now facing with the rest of the championship is you've lost so many fixtures already. You know, we should have been well deep into the season by now. Um, You've got only a few left before the end of the season. Is there a compression there? How are you dealing with that from a championship point of view? From a championship point of view, we have a coordinator for each of our championships and I've been having regular meetings with those through the the power of Zoom, which I think we've all become more familiar (laughs) with over the last few weeks and months. And all of them are fairly confident about running their championships this year. Um, As you quite rightly say, we lost three fixtures, so we were sort of halfway through the year. They believe, most of them, that they can still run a championship with the three fixtures that we have remaining. Um, those are all be double headers, so they'll get two races at each of them. So that gives them six rounds. I think a couple of them may decide not to run championships this year, but the, the main, they will all run this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we must just say thanks, really, to all of these volunteer marshals that turn up to these circuits uh, and help us to go racing as a car club because they're the true heroes of all of this aren't they they are volunteers and they have got a really busy season left over now with more restrictions and more rules and guidelines to enforce than they've ever known before you are absolutely right volunteers are the lifeblood of motorsport and without them none of us can go racing so a really big thank you from us and yes we've been having ongoing conversations with the voluntary organisations that we work with and our Chief Marshal's been doing a lot of work with the marshals that will be coming along to Donington Park in three weeks' time. Uh, we just can't do it without them, so a huge thank you to them. Well, take us into the world of MG Car Club Motorsport in a normal year, Mark, and just talk us through your highlight from the 2019 season, one of your favourite memories from last year. All of the championships last year went down to the wire so we had our finale at Snetterton last year, and I think in all cases, the very last race of the season was the one that decided who won the championship. So it was really, really close, really, really exciting. Um, one of my roles at the races normally is to prevent, present the trophies to the drivers and to interview them afterwards. And it was a really great meeting to be able to do that because it was just so exciting. And the families all get involved in it as well. You can feel the tension in the Welcome Centre when they're all watching them race. It's great. Well, hopefully, given that we aren't able to have spectators this year to see how close that racing is in person, we'll give you all of the uh, updates that you need here through this podcast and through the MG Car Club at mgcc.co.uk. Click through to the motorsport pages there and we'll give you all the race reports and uh, all of the media coverage you need to keep up to date with the race championship. And for the media, it's a challenge as well, isn't it, Mark? Because we're not allowed the big banks of photographers along the circuit like we're usually allowed. There's basically one or two allowed in that have got to share all their content. And luckily we have some really good photographers that come and uh, cover our events for us. And they're all working very hard to make sure that we get the best possible coverage. And we're also looking at some potentially live streaming of the Donington Park event as well. But that's not confirmed just yet, but we're working on it. Brilliant. Well, hopefully we'll get some of the drivers on the podcast as well, perhaps live from the paddocks that we can get them on. That would be really good to see and uh, to hear from them as they return to racing here in the MG Car Club. You can find out more information, of course, via mgcc.co.uk. Click to the motorsport pages there. All of the information you need about all of the fixtures left this year 
is up there. You can find it all very easily. So uh, good luck with the rest of the season, Mark, and well done <laughs> through these mad times for manoeuvring things through and uh, getting us back racing again. And thanks for joining us here on the MG Car Club podcast. You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. MG Car Club podcast. Safety Fast, the magazine of the MG Car Club. Get your copy now by joining us at mgcc.co.uk. Well, Adam, new merchandise to discuss now, and it's uh, lots of stuff going on in the shop, actually. Inica is always busy with finding new products for us to talk about and to buy, uh, and never have I presented a podcast that has cost me so much money than the MG Car Club <laughs> podcast. And by the way, everyone who is listening to this podcast, our regular listeners will know that a couple of episodes ago, back in episode nine, Adam promised to ensure that he bought me one of the vehicle records binders that you can uh, buy on the MG Car Club shop. And uh, just to let everyone know, quick status report, I haven't received it yet. So uh, uh, just letting everyone know that, Adam. It's uh, it's it's in the post, mate. Is it? Is it in the, honest, is it in yeah, the post, yeah. is it? Indeed, right, okay. Yes. So is the tax for my three-wheeler van. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> right then, Del Boy, let's see what else you got to flog us out the shop this week. And the first one is to keep your tootsies warm, isn't it? Six R4 socks. I'm liking this. Yes, now, we've talked about how much we both love the 6R4. Oh, yeah. Um, neither of us can afford a 6R4, let's be honest. No. Nope. Um, even the Scalectrics model is quite expensive. Um, so, yeah, so 6R4 socks. Um they are based on the famous blue and white computer vision livery that everyone knows and loves. Um, they're really good quality. So, uh, so yeah, 6R4 socks. What's not to like? I want a pair. I'm going to have a pair. And it's as near as I will get to wearing a 6R4, I think. More stuff here. Triple M yearbooks. Describe. So every year, the guys from the Triple M register put together a really nice yearbook. Um, it's essential if you've got one of those cars or if you've just got an interest in those in those cars um you can find everything in there um it's a it's a really good read we've got previous triple m yearbooks available as well in a, in a limited quantity because they do tend to sell quite well so um yeah the 2020 yearbook is available now i've got an amazing book here in front of me and it's one of those books that you know when it's going to be a good book because it just looks amazing before you've even opened it and when you're holding it it's it's heavy and the, oh, the pictures in this book are incredible you could spend many many evenings nose deep in this fantastic book it is called rule britannia and it has been written by a good friend of the podcast actually john nickus we know john very well uh, based out there in california and what John doesn't know about writing books on the British sports car, well, you just don't need to know, really. And he's put all of his knowledge into this just gorgeous, I think they call it coffee table book now because it looks and feels posh. But um, apart from just having some of the most amazing photography, and there is a really lovely section on MG here, some of the most beautiful photography of MGs I've seen in any book ever, really, um, there's some really interesting archive images that have never been seen before as well, and some really interesting stories. I'm looking here, page 178, if you're interested, of a really great picture of the Abingdon assembly line during the 1930s. And images that really take you back to that time and give you a real insight into how these cars were being made. And it's amazing, Adam, that these pictures, they st still keep coming to light. 
Yeah, it's amazing. The, the like you say, the book is such a quality thing. Um, I mean, it's 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 a beautiful book to behold, and the, like you say, the quality of the images and the fact that it covers so many different cars. Obviously, MG are right at the heart of it, but you know, you I think there's some like three hundred pages in that book, um, and it's yeah, it's a stunning, stunning thing to behold. And it covers all aspects of the MG brand history, right from the early early years, pre-war years, through to some beautiful surveys of the MGA here and comparing in a double-page spread the 1960 MGA Roadster to the 59 Twin Cam Coupe, putting those cars side by side and looking at all the little details here, the badging, the engine bay and some beautiful cars that they found to photograph and they've sort of done them on these sort of white backgrounds and really made the cars look stunning so and it's not just sort of the expensive stuff here is a just stunning picture of a rubber bumpered 1977 mgb roadster with those interesting decals that you don't see a lot of actually those sort of big black mgb decals that run along the sills um that's a an interesting picture in there and um some of the record breakers as well feature highly in here and it's a really really nice book so it's a fantastic treat for yourself if you're looking for some more entertainment during the uh, current situation or indeed if you just want uh, a little bit of motoring history to include on your coffee table at home it's one of those books that if you don't get it now in the next sort of four five six years that's going to be one of those books that suddenly you go to one of those big classic car shows like the nec and you see it for sale and it's going to be you know a couple hundred pounds worth of book so um get it now while you can and and know that you know it's it's a worthwhile investment because it's a lovely lovely publication it is uh, just keep it a few years stick it on amazon sell it for two grand that's usually what people do with books these days <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing is buy it now and buy it from shop.mgcc.co.uk we'll put the links to all of these bits of merchandise we've described for you in the description to the podcast on the podcast page at mgpodcast.uk that's just about all we have time for on this podcast for this week episode 11 already under our belts we'll see you again next week for another edition of the mg car club podcast can't wait to see you then take care guys subscribe to receive new episodes of the mg car club podcast at mgpodcast.uk 